We're going to be in the fifth chapter of Mark tonight. The fifth chapter of Mark. Again, thank you to Bradley and Odell uh, for all that they do. I think Bradley's going to learn how to play that mandolin one day, don't you think? Um, very, very talented. Much talent. Our church is so talented. So talented. Um, we're going to talk about hopeless calls tonight. The hopeless calls. Even the lost calls could be a good title. Um, sometimes titles um, are hard to come up with, but this is... I think maybe a, a good one for this, but let's begin. Um, we're going to start, if you look back on Mark chapter 35, Mark 4 chapter 30, uh, verse 35, excuse me, just the previous uh, chapter there. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, now let's cross to the other side. Then that takes us into chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had in his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this story. Lord, how you uh, crossed the sea just for this sole purpose of bringing this lost soul to you. Lord, we pray tonight that you would uh, continue to reach out and bring lost souls to you. In thy name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll continue reading in that in just a little while, but you may be seated. Before we get into our story, I want to give you just a little bit of background as to what's happening in this particular situation. Um, in chapter 4, the previous chapter... Jesus has been teaching the people and he's been, um, as you have read and know from your learnings, they were, Jesus, this was probably his biggest, he was in the middle of his most popular season right here. Uh, they were, he was healing people, they were, uh, I guess he was a pop star in, in the words of, of modern day language. And what had happened was he was teaching them on the mountain and they got so close to him he couldn't teach. So he ended up going down to the lake, to the Sea of Galilee, and getting in a boat. And acoustically that was perfect. Um, as he was in the boat, he was speaking up to the people and acoustically that worked just perfectly. Think of the amphitheaters and even your modern day concert halls, how you look down at the stage and they sing up to you uh, that is very much what's going on here. It was a natural, perfect acoustic. They had the mountains all around the Sea of Galilee. And he was in the boat. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, when evening had come, verse 35 told us, he said, let's cross to the other side. So that's where we're heading. 
What did he teach about in chapter 4? Well, he, this was probably some of his greatest teachings. He did the parable of the sower. Remember the parable of the sower? That's very popular um, that we talk about today. And he talked about other things. But then at the end of chapter 4, they got in the boat. They went to the other side. And look what happened there. A great wind arose. They thought they were going to drown. Jesus was asleep. Remember that story? That's probably the most popular story about Jesus um, and how he meets our needs where we are other than the crucifixion and death um, of this. So that happened. They got in the boat, came over, the storm came up. And remember the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains. So it is a hotbed of storms. And it was such a terrible storm, though, that remember the, these seasoned fishermen were afraid for their lives. These seasoned fishermen, and Jesus said, peace be still and let me go back to sleep kind of thing. He, he was not concerned about the storm because the winds and waves obeyed his voice. And then verse 41, one of my favorite uh, verses about this situation. And uh, who can this be that even the wind and, wind and sea obey him? So the disciples were just now getting to know Jesus and hearing his teachings, and they were just getting to see his handiwork, and that was there at the end of um, verse 41. Just another note on the Sea of Galilee. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the, in the world. Lowest. Um, the only thing lower than this is the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is salt water. And the Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake. But it is the lowest. So that tells you mountains. And if you ever go there, I hear it's one of the things you need to go and see. So when I, me and Mitzi eventually retire... Um, and our kids support us, then we'll get to go over here and do this. Right now it's the other way around, and there's no way that's going to happen anytime soon. So let's get into chapter 5. Let's get into chapter 5. So they come to the other side of the sea. Um, my commentaries and what I've been reading is this is probably a three-hour journey. But... I'm thinking, notice they went on the same day when evening had come. So it was later in the day they started to cross the sea. So I'm thinking maybe it was even close to dark, but I'm not sure exactly what time of day. But they got to the other side of the sea, and it was the country of the Gadarenes. The country of the Gadarenes. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that situation in just a minute. But when they stepped out of the boat, when Jesus got out of the boat. Immediately there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling, verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even in chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this situation? Um... As we think about the title tonight, The Hopeless Cause, um, everyone had given up on this man to the point of let's get him just out of our hair and put him into this tomb. Uh, tomb cemetery, number one, that's not normal, right, for people to live in cemeteries. And if there was a, uh, especially in Jewish culture, that is unclean uh, situation so everyone had given up on this guy 
everyone. And sometimes we think about these and, and we, we think about people like this and you read the arrest reports and you have the same names pop up every week. You know, so-and-so got arrested again. You know, and it, it gets to be almost comical at times. But think about this situation and think about he was somebody's child. You know, his parents, he had parents. We know that. Possibly siblings. Possibly siblings. He could have even had a wife and kids. Can you imagine? So it comes to the point where these demons have possessed him. And he has, um, basically the only place he could live without hurting anyone else. He hurt himself, the Bible teaches here. But without hurting anybody else was they just let him run around in the tomb, in the graveyard. Because they had tried. They had tried to chain him and tried to keep him uh, confined that way. And look what happens. These supernatural, that's demon possession, these supernatural uh, attacks. And he could break chains. I'm not sure what kind of chains they used um, 2,000 years ago, but I'm sure they were they were metal and, and they could be pulled apart. So... Um, this is this is pretty interesting stuff here. So just think about that. Put your put your mind at that. And it's not so much about demon possession we're talking about tonight. It's more talking about the circumstance, the situation. So let's keep on going. He cut himself with stones. It was the saddest situation, very sad situation. Um, we um, when in in modern times and today. We see people in very sad situations. I see it every day at work. Uh, poor Brenda Lee saw it years worth of it, and it it just it doesn't get any better. In fact, it, you just see their children come back. Basically, is what I've seen, and and it's a very sad situation. And I'm not talking about sometimes it's demon possession, but sometimes it's mental illness, and sometimes it's just what it is. You know, it's just heredity i don't know what you call it but it is what it is but we have these people right here in, in our in our county in our city in our church in our our families um and it's so sad so sad we have um and they appear to be lost causes but let me let's keep on going and see what happens to this guy verse six when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Now, th something to remember with this. This poor fellow, he was not in control of himself, right? Because the demons were in control. If he were in control, I promise you, he'd go home and have a bowl of chili and cornbread and go to bed, right? So he was not in any control. Even though Jesus showed up, it wasn't him that was doing this. It was those demons inside him. So let's think about that. So they ran up to Jesus and they worshipped him. Now let's think about that. Demons worshipping Jesus. I bet you they weren't singing Amazing Grace, right? You know, as we know the end of the story, we know when Jesus comes back to, uh, to claim his own and, and all is said and done, we hear that Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess because Jesus is um, God's son, you know, and they will declare. That's this situation right here. Just because Jesus was who he was, they had no choice but to worship Jesus. Do you understand that? 
the he was he was God and they were in the presence of God and they knew their place they knew their place they weren't worshiping because they loved him there was no don't get confused there because Jesus um, there was no praise or worship band or anything going on here it was all because of uh, who he was and then verse 7 and he cried out with a loud voice and says what have I to do with you Jesus son of the most high God I implore you by God that you would not torment me this is the demons talking these are demons and notice that they cried out to Jesus, what have I to do with Jesus, Son of the Most High God? They got the theology right, but it was not a heart theology. It was just words, and, and it was right. But there is a superstition uh, that was alive then, and it is now. And, and we even have some stories about it. But if you knew someone's name, you had control over that person. And by... Um, these demons saying, you, Jesus, son of the most high God, there was some sort of power struggle with the demons and Jesus because I'm saying your name. There is a, um, there is a fairy tale called Rumpelstiltskin. Have y'all ever heard of that? Where the, the young maiden spins straw into gold or whatever and, and this little demon or whatever he is, Rumpelstiltskin. He says, if you know my name, I'll keep doing it for you, whatever. And it's the power of that name. So go home and read Rumpelstiltskin tonight. But um, that's, it's the same thought. It's the same thought. He's thinking, because I know his name, I have power over him. And that's not the case. So let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus said in verse 8, For he said to him, Come out of this man, unclean spirit. So Jesus gives a command. And then Jesus turns around and says, What is your name? Now let me tell you something. And you probably already figured this out. Jesus knew the name. He didn't ask him because he didn't know. I think he asked him so we would know. Because this, this story is in three of the four Gospels. It's very important that um, it's that important. Sometimes the only um, the crucifixion of Jesus is in all four gospels, but this is one of those situations where it's three different tellings and three different gospels. So it's a very important story. So they want to make sure we get the point. Um, and the demon answered, saying, "My name is Legion, for we are many." And the reference here is to a Roman army. And they talk about legions, and legions is a uh, six thousand men, six thousand men in the uh, Roman army. That's the definition of legion. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean there were six thousand demons. It just means there's a lot. There's a lot of demons in there. A lot of demons in there. And verse ten, and he begged them earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. One thing demons have to have is a, from what I have read and from this story, is they have to have a, they have to have something to dwell inside of. They will indwell people, and we're going to see they go into animals, but this um, situation, either here or they'd go back to hell, to the lake of fire. So 
there was no middle ground. So they said, please don't um, send us out, just out. And then the demon said, send us to those pigs over there that we may enter them. So Jesus said, okay, I'll give you that permission. So he agreed to do that. And when the unclean spirits went out, verse 13, uh, went out and entered the swine, there were about 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of pigs, isn't it? 2,000 pigs. I had, was it a dozen Mitzi in my backyard one time? They tore it all to pieces. All my landscape, all that I had done, worked so hard for, and those things turned it upside down. So I can imagine 2,000 what damage they did. But the herd ran down violently to the steep place into the sea, and they drowned into the ocean, into the sea. Uh, so there's the end of the the um, demonic possession there. So they left the man, they went into the swine, and every one of them went down the hill and into the sea and drowned. Um, so the man was finally free from that. Look at 14. And those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what had happened. So just like sheep have shepherds, I guess, Swine have swine herders. I don't know what that term is. But they were there watching them, protecting them, making sure because um, someone said with a pig you can use everything except the oink. I mean, they, they use ears and even body parts, you know, pig valves in your heart and all that stuff. They use it all. They use it all. So they're very uh, important, and even then they were. Um, but notice, remember, if you've ever had anything to do with Jewish culture or heard anything, they don't do pigs. They don't do um, pork. They don't do any of that. And that's uh, just a shame, all that bacon. But uh, they're missing out on. But um, they don't do that. So these people were either not Jews or they were backslidden Jews. So one of the two. So verse 14. And those who fled... Oh, one more thing about this one. Um... Sometimes people have said, all those poor pigs, you know, why the pigs? Why not fire ants or something nobody has any use for? You know, why that? Um, but I read somewhere that the Romans sacrificed pigs and goats and lambs and other things, but they sacrificed pigs. So Jesus was giving a a object lesson these pigs are worthless compared to me so he killed the pigs to show that they don't matter they're they're not um compared to me it's not so i thought that was interesting um so verse 14 those who fled the swine they told it to the city and the country and they went out to see what happened verse 15 they, and then they came to jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Can you imagine the people who had, um, I'm sure they even had scars probably on their arms where they tried to wrestle this guy. And he probably beat the snot out of them uh, trying to tie him up and all this stuff. And he got his you know, chains and started beating them with it. And here they are looking at him thinking, this is not the same guy that was here this morning. Can you imagine? Um, what if we had something like that? What if um, one of your common names in the uh, 
arrest report uh, or something like that showed up and just sat down in his right mind and and, and we work um, and, and what I do I see people and they come in our office and, and they're mentally ill and we know that but what if one day they just came in and just had it all together and it was all perfect and then forever because some days are better than others for some of these people but just as a whole what if what if what if can you imagine the shock? Think about the person in your life. We have, uh, I'm thinking about a specific person in our lives right now. Um, what a miracle that would be. What a miracle that would be. But look what happened. Uh, this is what is um, one of the saddest things about this. Um, verse 16, and those who saw it told how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed about the swine. So they told it. They saw it all. They were there. They told the whole story. Here Jesus got off this boat. He did this. He said this. And then he did this. And the swine went down the hill and all this stuff. They saw it. And then verse 17. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. So instead of embracing what happened and saying, Wow, God has answered a prayer. Where was his parents? Where was his wife? Where was his children and siblings and nieces? And where were those people who um, had lived this so many years and now they hear that this miracle has happened and it is truly a miracle? And where were they? And then another thing I want you to notice, the disciples, they never said a word in this. Have we read anything about a disciple saying anything? They were in the boat too, remember? They thought they were drowning. So they never mention here. They're never mentioned here. They never give an opinion. They never give, um, they're probably just sitting back in awe because again, this is pretty early in Jesus' ministry. But they are, um, there's no mention of them. So here this poor guy is, you know, basically healed in his right mind. Everything is good now. He uh wants to go home and, and do his thing, but there's not a single person to shake his hand, welcome into the grill club or fellowship or whatever. It just, there's not any. And that to me is a, a sadness. I wonder if they're thinking, yeah, well, he'll be back like that tomorrow. You know? And sometimes when you're dealing with, um, especially like if it's your child or your, your sibling or something, these lost causes, they cause a lot of drama. A lot of drama. And sometimes when they're in the cemetery away from you, it's a peaceful time in your house. And then when they come home, it's upside down again. But the good thing is when Jesus touches you, and when Jesus touched this guy, it wasn't the same as it was the other times. This was different. So I'm hoping for good things. But here, let's look at what happened. The people, the townspeople, pled with him to depart from their region. They were more worried about their pig, about their pig crop than they were about this guy. And when he got in the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. So the guy, he was no longer in control of the demons. No longer, the demons were not controlling him any longer. So this was him speaking, and he said, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to go with you. And what did Jesus say? He said in verse 19, However, Jesus did not permit him. He said to him, Go home 
to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. What if this guy walked down your street and you're thinking, is that the same guy? Is that the same one who, it kind of looks like him, but he doesn't walk and talk the same. He's different. He's different now. What a testimony that is. And they can't deny it. They can't deny what's happened here. They knew him. They knew what's happened. They, they, they passed, every time they passed the cemetery, I don't, I wonder what happened when there was a funeral. Did they go out and try to get him out of the cemetery while the funeral went on? Nobody mentions that, but I wonder. That's my OCD, I guess. Um, but what happened? He was a walking testimony. And I want you to also understand that this was the first Gentile convert. He was the first. And what did he do? He went back to the Gentile region, this Decapolis we're talking about. The Decapolis, verse 20, and he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Uh, this Decapolis region is when the, the Greeks had sent out, um, I guess, groups to establish ten different cities and to build Greek influences in this area. Uh, two of these Greek cities you've heard of um, are, one was Philadelphia, and another one that you've heard of is Damascus. So both of these cities are, are part of this ten of Gentile Greeks. They were the Greeks. And I'm sure that this guy went out and proselyte and talked and told them, let me tell you what I have been let me tell you where I used to be and where I am now. So what a testimony this guy had and what a testimony he could have for um, Jesus. And one last thing I want to leave with you in, um, about lost causes. Notice verse 35. Um Let's go back. Let's go back. Um, verse 18, it tells us Jesus got back in the boat. In verse 20, it tells us he departed and he went back. In verse 21, Jesus went back across and there was the multitude again. So that story. But the only reason Jesus got in that boat was this man. The only reason Jesus got in that boat was this man. The only reason he took this two, three, four hour, I'm not sure how long it took him to go across, was to get this taken care of. Then he went back to being um, the teacher of many, and, and he even the next chapter goes into um, the woman, him of the garment, and uh, healing of daughters and that sort of thing. But um, this is kind of a side story to me. Why did he get in the boat? Why did he get in there for this one man? What did this one man have that Jesus needed to be a part of? Or what did Jesus have this man needed to be a part of? It's probably a better way to put it. And I don't know. But I know this, that Jesus will do whatever he needs to do to meet you where you are. Sometimes people will say, I, I'm not good enough. I need to do more. I need to... 
um, before I come to church, I need to do A, B, and C. Or before I get saved, I need to do A, B, and C. Or join the church, A, B, and C. And this man and this story here, the man, Jesus comes to the man. And Jesus took care of all that. And we don't, there's no Paul Harvey rest of the story here where, you know, we have a book of the Bible called Demoniac Man. You know, I wish there were where we could see what happened later. What did his mama say when he came home? What did his wife and kids say when he walked through the door? I wonder. I wonder. But I know, I know that he began to proclaim and I know he began to tell. The burden on my heart tonight is my lost causes in my life. And if you are honest with yourself, you have them in your family too where everybody else, the world says, that's just how they are. And they'll never do any better. Whether it be addictions, whether it be mental illness, whether it be uh, just contrariness, whether it be just hard hearts who don't want to hear anything about Jesus. Whatever that situation is, Jesus came for lost causes. I'm number one. I'm, I'm, I'm number one. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I'm saying these people burden me, and I want to know what I can do to make them better. And we are, you've always heard Jesus, we're Jesus' hands and feet, so what can I do? How can I help? What can I I do, and I really don't know. I wish. Um, if they are in your family, you know there are people who, there are people who um, give all they have to try to help that son or daughter or brother or sister or that situation. And these people, um, it's a struggle. They are struggling tonight. The, the family struggles, the people struggle, and where's the answer? It's somewhere in the story. And for me, for me, it is Jesus loved them so much that he did this. This guy, he got in the boat. He loved that guy so much. He got in the boat, went over there, took care of his business, and went back. And then not only that, in just a few chapters, he was crucified for this man, for me and you, for all of our lost causes. And to put a, a a stop or a a defeat to these demons once and for all, and I want us as a church tonight. I don't feel led to do a, an invitation. Um, what I think we need to do is just spend a minute praying for our lost causes. If you don't have any, you pray for mine. You say, I pray for Mark's lost cause tonight. You pray for mine. Um, because I really don't know the answer. I really don't. I know Jesus. I know what he's done for me. I know what he's done for others. And I know. But what's it going to take for people like this man? I mean, sitting in... In, in a tomb with chains and cutting yourself or losing your children to DSS and 
knowing you've got to go through A, B, and C to get those kids back, they won't even do A, much less B and C. Why? Why? Why do you why do you keep taking those drugs? Why do you keep looking at that on the internet? Why do you keep drinking that, knowing it's destroying everything around you? My heart's broken tonight for these people. They wear our doors out. Um, and I'm telling you, the government can't help it. We can put lots of Band-Aids on stuff. But that little office that we run in Wahala, that's not the answer. I wish I knew what the answer was. I know it. It's Jesus. But how do we get them to Jesus? It's going to take prayer. It's going to take supernatural prayer. And it's going to take us getting over our thought process that that's just how they are. They'll never be any better. Maybe not with my help, but maybe with Jesus' help. So tonight, if you'll come, I, you can sit where you are if you'd rather do that, but let's fill our altars tonight and, and we're going to close out with a prayer for these lost causes and for the people in our lives and our churches who um, just are struggling tonight. So if you'll, if you'll calm down, let's do that.